Hey, I'm Alana Bonneman, naturopath and holistic nutritionist. This podcast is dedicated to reclaiming your health by harnessing yourself as your biggest asset. Get ready because this is where we stand up for your body's ability to heal, go against outdated norms and say yes to change. Creating true and lasting success all from the inside out. Thank you so much for being here. This is the Health After 30 podcast and let's get started. Anissa is a real food nutritionist who's dedicated to inspire and educate women to eat, live, and move with intention and confidence. She holds a Master in Science of Clinical Nutrition and Dietetics and a Bachelor in Science in Nutrition and Exercise. She knows a thing or two about how to apply all of this to women's health, in particular in preconception, pregnancy, and beyond. Hi, Anissa, and welcome to the Health After 30 podcast. Thank you, Alana. It's nice to be here. So today we're going to talk about trying to conceive, or as you like to say, TTC, which when I first heard that I had to Google it, I was like, TTC, <laughs> trying to conceive. Okay, I'm in the lingo now. <laughs> There's a lot of acronyms that are commonly used in like the fertility world. So it can get a little bit crazy if you're not like in it. <laughs> Already in it. Yeah. But you know, I think when you are trying to conceive, it's a very fast process to get into that world. Yeah. So often there's a misconception that if you can't fall pregnant, the next best thing for you to do is to beeline it to a fertility clinic or an I, you know, get IVF. But we know as holistic practitioners, there are other ways to do things. Can you tell me a little bit about what are some of those other ways of doing things and why it's so important to look for these alternatives? Yeah. So great questions. Um, I definitely have quite a bit of experience with seeing, you know, new, new clients who come to me and they maybe have already even started working at a fertility clinic. Um, and you know, they'll come to me kind of, it, it seems like a, a statement that they're saying on repeat, like the different coming from the same for coming from different people, but the same statement. And they say something along the lines of, you know, oh, like I'm going to this doctor. It doesn't feel right. They don't know me as a person. It feels like a cookie cutter approach. Um, you know, meaning like they're kind of mm, copy and paste. One size the fits same, all. Yeah. The same protocol for each person um, and not necessarily taking their whole like health picture, you know, history, preferences, you know, all of those things, uh, you know, budget uh, into consideration. And so um, I often will see a lot of people after they've already begun working with a fertility clinic, either just to get some preliminary tests or, um, you know, like they'll get the testing done. They'll see like, oh, here's what's wrong with you. Right. And that, mm. that's kind of how it's presented. Um, and then they come and they're like discouraged, like, oh, no, like I'm never going to get pregnant. And it's so sad to see women in that state because already they have lost the trust in their body. Right. Yeah. And they're they're not, you know aligned with the the wisdom of their body. And so that's kind of one of the first things that I like to work on in terms of the mindset shift as you start to want to expand your family is is to like really make it so that you're like you you notice the signs that your body's giving you and you read them as hey like let's get curious about this, right? Like what things may be going wrong, right? They might be red flags, right? They might be um, you know, quote wrong, uh, you know, out of normal range, mm. but there's never like, it's never really wrong. Right. Like what I mean like by your that body is isn't that, designed to be wrong. It's right, trying its body best is to like 
so wisely you know. communicating to you like, hey, something is really out of balance here. And mm-hmm. it's a matter of us, um, you know, on the receiving end, being willing to hear that communication. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of one of the ways that I work with people as I, as I help them to like identify what these, you know, kind of red flags might be and then say like, Hey, like, how can we bring that back into balance? And, you know, what is your body trying to communicate to you? Um, what are, what are the signs? You know, how do you know it's communicating, right? Like, are you picking Mm -hmm. up the phone even like just pick up the phone, start listening. And then you start to see like, okay, like it's actually saying something to me. And then what does that mean? Right. How Mm -hmm. do we interpret what those signs are? And so, um, so yeah, like say working with a, a fertility clinic or getting testing, right? Like that, that may be helpful for some people, but there's definitely this, I would say a gap uh, that oftentimes, you know, is in medical care where people like they're trying to conceive, they're having a hard time or it's, mm. it's not, ha- it's not happening on the first cycle. Right. And, and they start to get concerned. Um, and then they kind of go to, they say like really the, the advice, you know, especially if you Google it, like how long should I wait before seeing a fertility clinic? You know, they say, okay, wait for one year, you know, or try, try to conceive for one year. And if you're still not pregnant, then, you know, go see a doctor and start fertility treatments. Mm-hmm. And, um, but after that, that year, sometimes you're already perhaps questioning yourself and then you go to see, you know, right. friendly doctor who's standing there just to hear, <laughs> well, this is all wrong with you. And then you're just more in self-doubt. Oh gosh. Right. And, so, and also like, even, I mean, I like personally, I prepared a lot leading up to my own pregnancy experiences. And so, um, I did conceive on the first try with both of my pregnancies, but even then, like the anticipation of like experiencing, you know, like an intentional conception. And it's like, Oh, like, is it going to be the cycle? Like, is this going to happen? Oh, I got my period. Oh, what does that mean? (laughs) Right. You know, and you start to really like, um, you know, intentionally or not stress out about it. Right. Mm. And, and to just think that women are advised to do this cycle after cycle after cycle for a year, right? Like Mm. that in itself can be stress enough to, you know, cause hormone imbalances to, to make it so that it's not going to happen. Like, I'm not going to say like, that's, that's the only thing, but it does have an impact. Right. And so what if, right. Like, what if we could, instead of just waiting and like, okay, like it's not this cycle, let's just go next cycle. Instead of just waiting, like actually making change and taking steps Mm. to enhance your chances, right? Like, I'm not going to say that like preconception preparation is the only way to do it. And like, it's going to end up in a hundred percent success rate, right? Not at all. Right. Like everybody's got their own history, right? Like depending on their age or their genetics or whatever. But I will say that like optimizing the, you know, if we're talking about your body, like a garden, right? Like enhancing the, the potential of of that soil that we're working with, right? Like Mm -hmm. we do some soil amendments, we do some soil testing and we see like what, like, what are the deficiencies here? What um, can help to round out the system to make it a better planting ground for that seed to take hold, right? Literally, like your yeah. your egg to implant and uh, and to grow, right? So that's kind of the the approach that I recommend doing is like like there is so much more that's in your power to um, to enhance the chances of conception and mm-hmm. not only like the chances of conception, right? Cause not everybody's having a problem, but to enhance your pregnancy experience, to enhance your birth outcomes, the health of your child, your, mm-hmm. your postpartum, your postpartum right? like, yeah. all of those yeah. things are impacted. 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a, you know, as you walk through, and especially if it's your second child, if you've had, you know, you've had had a pregnancy before, your body has basically gone into, uh, your, your nutrient stores have gone into making one child already and then kind of coming into the second pregnancy or any subsequent pregnancies, it's often, you know, well, it's, no, it's not often, but sometimes there's troubles to conceive again because there is exactly what you're saying, this nutrient depletion in our wonderful garden that's trying to grow a human. Yeah. yeah. there's a, I, I, I hear that story a lot. You know, women will often find me, um, you know, after they've already had one child and they're like, you know, I accidentally got pregnant with the first one. Now I can't intentionally get pregnant. And you know, what happened, right? Like what's, you know, they'll always ask this question, what's wrong with me? And, mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, it's really just such a, um, a great lesson in, you know, like th our, the physiological process of conceiving, growing a child, you know, for nearly 10 months, uh, and then nourishing it for however long you end up <laughs> breastfeeding for, right? Like mm. I, I breastfed my oldest for three years and I'm, you know, nearly two years with my second. And so, um, that's a lot of nutrient expenditure, right? Like a lot of nutrients about... with breastfeeding and then like living in survival mode, as well as looking after everything else that you need to be doing. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's so much, um, nutritional demands that are placed on our bodies. And so, um, there's like the way our biology is designed is that our bodies are always going to prioritize the needs of our children first, mm -hmm. right? Like that's how, you know, our ancestors have, have made it so that we're all alive. Right. Yeah. So, Cause they're like, they prioritize our needs. Mm -hmm. Um, but from a physiological standpoint, that means that, you know, the calcium is coming from our teeth, right. Or from our bones, right. In order to nourish the baby, the fat is coming from our brains to nourish the baby. Mm -hmm. And if we're not replenishing ourselves through our diet, um, then yeah. that's lost, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's definitely changes that happen, um, after, you know, a single pregnancy even, but, you know, subsequent pregnancies, mm -hmm. especially if you're not replenishing those stores, mm -hmm. um, that we can definitely get into a, you know, a lot of nutritional debt. Yeah. And if you are deficient in nutrients, then your body is, I don't want to say it's struggling, but it's trying to kind of keep up. Nutrient deficiency is not the only thing. There are a lot of different environmental factors that also play into this, the modern worlds that we live in which I guess would link back to stress, which actually then does link back to nutrient deficiency in a very holistic, yeah. broad manner. I guess the way that I see it, you know, when we're talking about environmental exposures um, is that like, yes, there are so many like uh, that you can get extremely overwhelmed if you if you start to look at every label and um, and get really scared, right? Of like, oh no, this is like gonna cause this kind of damage or imbalance. And um like I definitely encourage an approach of like, be aware and mindful without like feeling the fear of it. Right. Like, like feeling that, that somatic sense in your body where it's like, Oh no, like this, you know, the world is out to get me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, but again, like encouraging a more like logical approach to it. Um, and, and this kind of ties back to kind of the importance of preconception as you were, as you were asking is that, you know, we store toxins in our fat tissue, right? And mm -hmm. a, a lot of, um, a lot of toxins, right? Like phthalates or parabens or whatever, um, are fat soluble, right? So 
when we, our body like kind of puts them away, right. Gets them out of our circulating system and, and stores them in the fat tissue. But one of the things is that when you're pregnant, your body mobilizes fat to mm. nourish the baby. Mm. Um, when you're breastfeeding, you're literally like, you're, it's Easy like liposuction, right? Your yeah. body's literally sucking the fat off of your tissue to create milk, both to, to, um, like support the machinery, like the energetic, uh, fuel that it takes to make milk, but also to include in the milk composition. <laughs> and so, um, so that's one consideration to have is that like, if you've had all of these, like, you know, this lifetime of exposures to various environmental toxins and you've stored them in your fat tissue, now you're mobilizing them and giving them to the baby while you're pregnant and breastfeeding. Um, then it's like, oof, like, it sounds terrible. It, it sounds terrible. And it like, sometimes people can get that feeling like, oh no, like I'm going to give this to my baby. And like, I don't want to do that and all that stuff. And it's like, that's part of why I, I want people to, to do a little bit of dedicated effort beforehand. Oh, right. Mm. Like I'm a big proponent of sauna use. Um, you know, I use it myself about three, four times a week. Um, you know, exercise, sweating, like, yeah. like any, anything that you can getting do it out, getting your bowels moving, moving through. Yeah. yeah. Supporting good digestion. Right. Cause that's how you eliminate, eliminate yeah. those toxins. <laughs> yeah. And so like, there's so many different, and that's part of one of the things I include in my course is like, how do we like support, um, like opening up your elimination routes and supporting digestion yeah. and, and, uh, liver detoxification, right. Cause all of that is tied into like, well, if your um, if your clearance system is clogged up, right. And you, your, your body has, you know, now just imagine like, okay, you're pregnant and, um, and you're trying to, you're mobilizing your fat tissue, you're mobilizing these toxins, you're trying to clear them out, but, the process of detoxification is very nutritionally expensive, right? So mm -hmm. you're using a lot of those nutrients to, you know, act as antioxidants um, in that process of detoxification. But those same nutrients are also needed to grow a healthy baby, right? So we don't want to be um, like sidetracking, right? Like we want to prioritize those nutrients to give to your child to support mm -hmm. optimal growth. And we don't want to be focusing on having to detoxify. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, your body's always detoxifying, right. But, yeah. um, when your liver is burdened with extra, um, then it just makes it so that you just have a much higher nutritional demand. And that's, that's not to say that like everything, you know, Oh, like if your liver's backed up, like nothing good is going to happen, but it just means that like, we need to take intentional effort to, uh, you know, fortify the diet and, you know, potentially supplementation to ensure that, that your body has the resources to make both of those things happen, right? Grow a healthy yeah. child and ensure that those toxins are eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's actually how we all need to be looking after ourselves and mm, during pregnancy as well. Yeah. So I've heard you talk about diet. I mean, obviously where <laughs> we are there. Um, what can we do? What is the, what are the steps that we can take to get us there? So it's preconception care. It's eliminating toxins. It's fortifying the diet. That's a nice way to put it. Mm -hmm. Um, what else do we need to be doing in, in all of this for yeah. try for us to try to conceive? Yeah. So another key thing that I actually, you know, in my course, I, I started out at like, this is one of the, uh, well, the second module that I, that I start teaching with is, is how to, um, get in touch with your cycle. Um, and, you know, I kind of talked about, uh, pointing out red flags. And, um, I don't remember if, it, if I said that on the recording or if that was before the recording, but, um, you know, w one of the ways that we can, um, that we can 
help to support optimal fertility is by not only identifying those red flags, but um, but understanding what to do about them. So um, getting in touch with your fertility signs is a great way to be able to identify red flags and to also know, like, how do I time conception properly? You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of women feel like, uh, or have been taught. I don't know about, you know, I know like you're, you're from Australia and li- you know live in Germany. So I don't know exactly what sex education was like where you grew up, but where I am from in the U S it's, you know, women were taught that you can get pregnant any day of your cycle. Um, and that like, you just need to avoid it at all costs. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the nineties, <laughs> sex yeah. ed from the nineties. Yeah. And so, so that's something that I think is a big, um, like myth that I try to bust, you know, with, with my clients is that like, um, you shouldn't be expecting to get pregnant any day of your cycle, right? There's only, especially in your thirties, right? Like yeah. there's only a short window. That's like a normal period of being able to see. Sometimes right? I'm surprised so, when people are like, oh, I accidentally got, preg- got pregnant. No, you know, it's just yeah. like, it's such a fine time of fertility right. or like ovulation yeah. that it yeah. happens to be like the 16 year old. It's like, oh, I just got, no, sorry. I just really broad like the 16 year olds, but they just happen to yeah. do it. It's like, wow, that was just very... good or bad timing, depending (laughs) on how you look at it. I mean, the chances definitely go down as you age, right? Because like, you know, like a 16 year old, for example, is probably, you know, fertile for, you know, roughly seven days, maybe even a little bit more. Um, And then like naturally, as you age, you start to have less fertile days, right? It might, it might kind of drop down to about four days or three Mm. days. And um, yeah, the older you get, the, the less fertile days you have. That doesn't mean that you aren't going to conceive on those days, right? It mm, just means that you have to good. be a little bit more intentional about timing, uh, mm-hmm. about timing intercourse um, in order to conceive. And so so that's one of the things that I really like to teach women is to get in touch with their cycles, start tracking it so that they know what their fertility signs are, um, like how to identify um, you know, their fertile period, how to confirm ovulation, Um, how to understand what the length of their phases of their cycle are, right? Like there's the first half of the cycle before ovulation, there's the second half after ovulation. And that, that in itself, just knowing the length of those phases can teach us a lot about Mm. the health of your body, the level of stress that you're experiencing, your hormone levels and all of these things. Maturation of the egg and when it's actually going to be dropping. Right. Mm. Yeah. And so Um, so like I even, even with my, like my second child, I actually never took a pregnancy test, um, because I was able to confirm my pregnancy by taking my basal body temperatures. And, Mm, um, and so that was like a really cool thing about knowing what my trends were, right? Like I knew that my, my luteal phase, right. The second half of my cycle tended to be about 13 days long. And mm-hmm. so when it started to go, you know, closer to 18 days, I was like, okay, like it's, I'm definitely pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. I want to ask so. you two things here. So first thing is what are the red flags that we're talking about? You, you were talking about before we need to pick up on our red flags with um, mm-hmm. our menstruation. Is that talking about heavy periods, painful periods, you know, really yeah. hard PMS and getting a bit more yeah, in tune definitely. with yeah. Those are definitely, uh, some of the more, I would say more common red flags that people experience. Um, other ones would be like, for example, PCOS, um, you know, polycystic ovary syndrome, which even if somebody doesn't have a PCOS diagnosis, you know, the symptoms that it's usually associated with are, 
um, you know, kind of difficult blood sugar regulation. So like sugar and carbohydrate cravings, low energy, um, they may be getting some facial hair or kind of male pattern, uh, hair growth. Um, you know, they might have high testosterone levels, um, might have a difficult, um, time like losing weight or, you know, gain weight really easily. Um, you know, they have irregular cycles or anovulatory cycles where they're not ovulating regularly. So those are just a few kind of common symptoms, right? It's a syndrome. So that like, yeah, you don't have to have all of those things, right. Mm -hmm. But there are certain criteria that really define PCOS, but those are common symptoms that, um, that women will often experience. And, and there also is a, like a, what they, uh, you know, they call it lean PCOS, you know, a version of PCOS where you're actually skinny and (laughs) you still have, um, high, like body fat composition, even though you're thin, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and you still have blood sugar dysregulation and insulin resistance and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, and other, and other uh, symptoms that are, on, that are, that are a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That is so a massive one. one I would say. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what if you're doing all the preconception and your basal tracking and it's just not working and it's just not working and it's been a year and you're really starting to doubt yourself and, you know, it doesn't matter how, yeah, how much you tell yourself it's okay, because it's a real emotional, it's a real, it's a real emotional roller coaster for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's a heartbreaking roller coaster that you see your loved ones on when they're really trying to conceive. Yeah. So what if, what if you're trying and you're trying and it's just not working? Yeah. That's a great question. And I do feel for those people I have, I, you know, I know a lot of people who have experienced that and, uh, you know, some of them really good friends who, you know, I was just there as a friend support, not as a provider or anything. Um, personally, it was really hard to watch them go through that without like offering help. Um, but I also like, you know, sometimes you're in that friend role and sometimes you're in the provider role. Um, and so, but yeah, I think, one of the one of the ways that I like to preface um, making this type of change is that anytime we're working with more natural approaches, the time it can take to make a significant amount of change may be longer, um, right? Because like if you're, I mean, you can't really see it if you're listening to this, but like let's just say you're like in the middle here and um, you maybe you take like a medication, right? Like you're going to, your shift from homeostasis is going to be way out, let's say to the right, right? Like your, your shift from homeostasis to be way out to the right. Um, but let's say you come back to middle and, um, you take a supplement, right? Maybe your shift is going to go like a little bit to the right. Right. And then maybe you change your diet and like, okay, maybe it's going to go a little bit more to the right. Right. And maybe you change your elimination, you know, improve your elimination pathways. Right. And then you go a little bit more to right. Right. Like, so I'm not going to say like medication is like the best way to do it because there's also a lot of risks and downsides to that, to that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I will say is that like the amount of time that it can take for those changes to manifest Mm -hmm. can take a little bit longer. Um, and one of the reasons why that is, is because it takes about three months for us to see, you know, full maturation of the egg. Um, and the same goes for sperm, right? And so um, roughly about about three, three months for both egg and sperm. And so what that means is that, um, you know, if you were to ovulate today, um, or sorry, yeah, if you ovulated today, it was roughly about three months ago 
that you began preparing an egg to be released, right? Mm. So every, whether you like it or not, every decision, every habit, you know, everything you ate, drank, listened to, felt, you know, all of those things do have epigenetic impacts on the development of the egg. Mm. And so of um, not the egg that's being the egg that's being released now, but the egg that was already being prepared. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, about past. three months ago. Right. And so um, so that's part of why, like, I usually, when I'm working with people, I say like, don't expect anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even if they might still be like trying to conceive, uh, casually or whatever, um, you know, for about like three months. Right. Because, um, I wouldn't expect to see significant change, um, you know, until about three months in. And so generally when I'm, when I'm recommending people to do some kind of preconception preparation, depending on a variety of factors, right? Like maybe they've previously been on birth control. Um, you know, maybe they've had a previous child. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe if they've already had quite a depleted diet, um, certain environmental exposure, stress level, right? There's a lot of different Mm -hmm. factors that can go into, uh, how much you need to prepare. Um, but I usually will recommend people giving it a good six months of intentional effort preparing their bodies. Mm. Yeah. Preconception before really like trying Trying to conceive, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and expecting to conceive, right? Like, I think that expectation is one of those things that, um, I think it's having that hope and like every cycle, like, Oh, is this going to be the cycle? Right. That's what I think can be a little bit more stressful on people. So I usually Mm -hmm. say like, give it a rest, like continue having sex, like if you want to, but just for fun, right. Like not with the dedicated effort of like, we're going to have, we're going to conceive the cycle, that kind of thing. Mm. And so I say, usually give it about six months of intentional effort after about six months. Um, but I would recommend doing some kind of testing, right? I often will do Dutch testing with people, um, where, you know, it's like a urine hormone test, um, Mm -hmm. that can, it can really shed light on, uh, like how your hormones are working, where there might be some stagnation, um, in like, like hormone metabolites or, you know, methylation or different processes. I know Mm. it gets a little bit, um, scientific, but, um, usually we can identify certain areas that could use like, uh, specific support. And so that's where I'll kind of go. I might do like a Dutch test. I might do some nutrient testing, um, analysis. Person, what do you do as a nutrient test? Um, I usually, I use, um, a lab locally. Well, in the U S it's called vibrant America. Okay. And, um, and we do, um, like spe- yeah, specific micronutrients. Um, I also liked using Genova NutraVal testing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's more functional nutrients. And so, um, but it can really give an idea of like, you know, what's your oxidative stress like, um, what nutrients are you burning through more often? Yeah. Um, there's another test that's called the NutraPro um, that check that tests all of your nutritional genomics. And so like, for example, um, like there's a, there's a enzyme called BCMO, beta carotene monooxygenase, and it's responsible for converting beta carotene into retinol, which is bioavailable vitamin A. And like 40% of the population has this, this mutation in this gene for this enzyme where they can't actually convert beta carotene into vitamin A effectively. And Mm. vitamin A is a critical nutrient for fetal development, um, you know, and fertility and so many different things. And so Um, that's just one example, but, you know, sometimes I'll go into it and do some nutritional genomics with people and see like, what, like, pathways can we specifically support, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe they've been vegetarian and they've been 
eating, you know, most of the people who are working with me, they, they usually change their diet, like, you know, add more animal foods, um, you know, as soon as they start working with me, but say they were not wanting to do that. And they were really focusing on only getting vitamin A from say sweet potatoes or carrots mm. or kale or whatever. They're never um, gonna be they're not convert converting that vitamin mm. A. Well, that's, you know, that's a problem. That's, if we're, and that's if holding we're it back. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's great. That's yeah. That's so good. I love, I really like that approach of like, let's get as much care preconception as possible. Like let's juice you up. Let's make you fertile, like, not even fertile, but like, let's make you, yeah. Nutrient saturated in all its senses and then moving forward. If there's still troubles, then, okay, let's, let's not guess, let's test and figure out what exactly needs to be done. Yeah. It's and interesting kind of that that's not the approach that it like is the normal way before yeah. going to IVF. Depending on the person, right? Like say I'm working with somebody who's 39 years old, right? And um, and maybe they only have one or two fertile days, right? Um, th- that person, depending on where they're at and how they're feeling about their state of fertility, I might consider doing testing sooner so that we can mm. have a more dedicated approach. Like, uh, like as soon as possible, right. Where it's like, we do everything all at once, but it, it really depends, right? Like I've had a client who was like 33 and she was already starting at a fertility clinic, but then, you know, I, she gave me kind of her breakdown of like what her lifestyle's like, what her diet's like, and she was eating fast food multiple times a week. And I was like, wait a second, like you're going to a fertility clinic and you're still eating fast food. Like you haven't changed your diet yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like confused. I was like, okay. Like a lot of times I assume that when people go to a fertility clinic that like they've already done the they've already done everything, pre-work. but that's not the case, unfortunately. You know, a lot of people are they just think like, oh, I'm not pregnant. I need to go to a fertility clinic. And yeah. there's so much that we can do, right? That like that really um makes it so that either if you're already at a fertility clinic, it makes that more successful. Or if you don't even want to go, <laughs> like you don't necessarily have to, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's, I think there's, it, I think it gives people a lot more hope, like knowing that like there is far more that is in your power, mm-hmm. um, to enhance your chances. Yeah. Yeah. And so if there's, if there's one, no, not one, don't like saying that if there's an action step that any of my listeners or any of our listeners can take away to do, to start tomorrow, today, now, what would it be? Okay. There's a lot of them. Um, do you want like a food recommendation or a lifestyle recommendation? What do you think? What do you Maybe think? We'll do one of each. One of each. Okay. That's good. So, um, one of the easiest, potentially easiest lifestyle recommendations that I would recommend would be trying to balance your circadian rhythms. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is getting to bed at a decent time, right? I usually say like around 10 PM is a good, is a good time, right? Um, reducing blue light exposure in the evening mm-hmm. hours, getting morning sunlight as, you know, within an hour of waking. Um, and that in itself uh, can do so much, you know, and like, I won't get too much into it, but melatonin is encouraged, you know, when you're living in alignment with that rhythm. And so melatonin is a very potent antioxidant, which is commonly used as a supplement to yeah. support egg quality, right? So like <laughs> you can either take melatonin as a supplement to support your egg quality, or you can balance your circadian rhythms, mm-hmm. get quality sleep, 
Mm. And then, hey, look, you're producing melatonin on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. So I love I, that. I definitely feel like sleep is one of those underrated um, hacks, like whether it's you're trying to, you know, improve your blood sugar regulation, whether you're trying to improve fertility, whether you're trying to lose <laughs> weight, right? Like but sleep yeah. is like the basic foundational thing that you can be doing. Yes, oh, it is. At the right hours. Okay. Yeah. And so what's the, what's the dietary, what's the dietary yeah. thing you got for us? So usually my like first nutritional recommendation for people is to aim for a minimum of 100 grams of protein a day. Mm-hmm. Um, How and, does that look? How does that look? Yeah. Um, I actually have a reel that I made. Um, maybe I'll share it with you and you can link I'll it. The links. I, I have yeah, like yeah. a visual of like what it looks like. Um, and I actually have a free download on my website. Um, that's like a free three day conscious conception meal plan. So I, maybe nice. I can send you that link as well, um, for yep. people to, to find, but to see what that really looks like. But, um, you know, it's, uh, Usually, so I would say if, if we're doing a hundred grams a day, you know, let's say about 25 to 30 grams per meal, you know, and that would be, um, I guess usually I say it in ounces, but I don't know how many like total grams it would be. Um, I don't know the conversions actually. Um, how does it look on a hand like a, or in yeah, a, like a, I would say like a hand, an open hand, um, size of like some kind of animal protein mm-hmm. and, um, a day you know, or per meal per meal per meal and that's the thing is like a lot of people will and or like maybe if we're talking eggs you know i'd say like three eggs and some yogurt right like mm-hmm. maybe half a cup of greek yogurt or something um you know for breakfast so um that's i think a common um misunderstanding among people you know i'll i'll often in, in my initial visits i'll interview like oh like what are what are you typically eating kind of thing and they're like oh yeah i'm getting enough protein i have a, a protein rich breakfast with one egg <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like there's six grams of protein in one egg. That's a great start, but let's <laughs> expand that a little bit more. Yeah. And yeah. So, and part of why that's so important. I mean, protein is, I mean, there's so many different reasons why like animal-based protein is like highly, highly nutrient dense in like all, like many of the fertility uh, nutrients that, you know, mm. nutrients that support fertility, that support pregnancy. Um, it's also very blood sugar balancing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it helps to like Stabilize. support hormone balance from that perspective. Um, and then it's also like, when you think about what happens when you get pregnant, right, you're creating an entirely new organ in the first trimester. Right. And so that, you know, especially in the first trimester, if you're feeling nauseous, you may be experiencing morning sickness or whatever, you probably don't feel like eating a lot of protein in the first trimester, right? So what mm-hmm. your body is banking on is that you've been eating a yeah. protein diet leading up to it, right? Yeah. Um, and building muscle, right? Because you're going to be pulling from muscle um, to do that. And so, uh, you know, when you create this entirely new organ, this placenta, um, it's made out of protein primarily, right? You know, both like collagen protein as well as like, you know, and, you know, um, muscle meat type of protein. Yeah. And so- So it really like the health of the placenta is significantly determined by the preconception diet. And, uh, and there are, you know, some complications that can come up later in pregnancy that, that fall back on placental health. And so Mm -hmm. if we're trying to be preventative, if we're trying to optimize pregnancy outcomes, you know, carry to full term, you know, have a healthy baby, all of those things, then ensuring that the placenta is robust and vibrant and, you know, Mm -hmm. vital. Yeah. It's really important. So that, that would be like 
a long yeah. explanation for why I would, why I would recommend like minimum hundred grams of protein and like, depending on the person's body size, their workouts, you know, all yeah, of that, it the can, need it for it. Vary. Yeah, no, that's so good. They're two very simple yet profound tips actually that you just gave <laughs> because honestly, and especially when you talk about um, yeah, three eggs for breakfast, for example, it's funny because eggs specifically that people are like eggs, eggs, like really? No, it, where, where the eggs sit these days, you know, like people are not sure what to do with them. Are they good? Are they bad? Yeah. Three eggs into a diet. That's, that's massive. That's big for people. People, they're not used to having things like that, or even a, a handful of protein at every meal, whether it's yogurt, um, or eggs or cheese or yeah, offal or organ meat or just straight up, you know, animal meat. That's yeah. It's really big. Yeah. yeah. So I think like if people can, can start incorporating that, like I oftentimes, depending on where people are at, like that's, that might be the first recommendation that I give people. Um, but pretty much consistently, like if they implement it into their, into their diet, like a hundred percent of the people who implement it into their diet, they always come back to, you know, to my follow-up visits and they say, oh my gosh, everything is different. You know, yeah. I feel so much better. My so energy, energy is better. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not hungry every two hours. And, uh, yeah. and it's, just, it's great to see because it is such a profound change that can happen in two days, right? Yeah. Like say two days of making that change, you immediately feel that difference in, in the blood sugar regulation that, uh, that has that impact on your energy and your mood and it helps you sleep better. And, you know, yeah. so many different well, things. Right? And yeah, yeah, no, it's the great, it's, it's a really good first step. And then yes, just the, I love this, like the six month of preconception that you then need to walk through. Yeah. It's awesome. So Anissa, if anyone wants to find you, where's the best place to find yeah. you? Yeah. So my website is anisawoodall.com. It's spelled A-N-I-S-A-W-O-O-D-A-L-L.com. And that would be kind of the central place where they can find me. If you want to follow on Instagram, I'm at Anissa Woodall Nutrition. And um, you can learn about, you know, my courses, my, you know, I have a, a course for preconception preparation um, that I offer. Nice. And I do kind of a DIY version as well as a coaching, you know, one-to-one -one coaching bundle that I offer with that. Um, I also, you know, provide one-on-one -on -one coaching for women who are pregnant, who are, you know, trying to balance their hormones um, and who are preparing for postpartum. So kind of throughout the motherhood transition, there's, yeah. there's something for you. <laughs> so important. Yeah. It's so important as well. So important because, you know, when you're going into motherhood, there's so many things that one needs to think of that you actually end up forgetting yourself when you actually need you and the first person that you need to look after before you can even look after anything else. So it's amazing. Yeah. I love what you're doing. Thank you totally. so much for thank being you. here. Oh, thank you for having me. This was great. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode and being interested in reclaiming your health. I hope you enjoyed it and found the information useful and constructive. If you did and you'd like to show support for the show, please leave a review as this makes my content more discoverable for other people to enjoy and learn from. Please also consider subscribing to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Finally, the best way to show support is by sharing it with someone who you think might benefit from it. Thanks for listening. Be well, and I'll catch you in the next episode.